0: Claire, we just finished a mission trip to Ethiopia. And can you tell us a little bit about yourself, your position in your community? and We'll talk about how you started this work.
1: Sure. Um, yeah, so I have been a Franciscan Sister of the Renewal since 1998. And in 2017, I became the, we say community servant or general servant of the community. Um, so my role is to serve the rest of the sisters and to, um, keep everybody bonded together <laughs> essentially <laughs>
0: and then you started these trips uh, five years ago how did that happen
1: okay so uh, the Bishop of the Apostolic Vicariate of Harar Bishop Angelo Bogano is a Capuchin and it's a Capuchin vicariate is when I say vicariate it's just the a stage before becoming diocesan so this this uh, jurisdiction of the church in Ethiopia. It's not yet a diocese, but it has a bishop that oversees it. And the bishop, Bishop Angelo Pagano Capuchin, um, came to the United States, came to New York, came to the convent and invited us to come. And would we consider uh, visiting, first of all, and then working there and even opening a convent there. So, so at his invitation and actually at his presence, because he came to New York and really made the pitch, you know, personally, um, I really did to consider that, you know, and, and so ultimately, it, obviously, we said yes to that and, and started missioning uh-huh. to the vicariate. So he was in New York for other business? Well, uh, he was in the United States raising funds and visiting other places and visiting the seminary, uh, So, but also to try to elicit support, missionary support also for the vicariate.
0: And the work and charism
1: of your community is apostolic preaching and service of the exactly and and that was part of it you know his request was not for us to come and do a food handout or dig wells or do any of the social services which uh, you know there are a lot of very good organizations international organizations that are doing those sorts of things and putting a lot of money into that sort of thing the digging of wells and supporting the poor and different social services but because he was asking us for evangelization formation and and, and renewals like the very aspects of our charism that's what made me say yes. Okay.
0: Uh-huh. And it was. Did he specify for the priest?
1: just. Initially, um, he was general. He initially he was. You know, we were asking him. You know, Bishop, what do you want? <laughs> what do you want from us? Well, first it was just to come. So on the very first trip, it was really driving the landscape of his vicariate which is a vast landmass, i can't tell you the square miles of it but it's enormous so first it was just coming and seeing visiting the parishes seeing the people and getting a sense really what are the needs but then in, in speaking with him he made it very clear that he he was looking for evangelization formation and renewal for the priests and for the families and then over the years it's honed we've honed into the priests specifically because it's the greatest impact the greatest possible impact
0: there's roughly, there's like four or five
1: vicariates in the Any, uh, I'm not 100% sure. Yeah, I'm not 100% it, it, it might be five or six, but they're all vicariates and none of them are, are dioceses. So the Roman Catholic Church is definitely the minority by by far, right. as you know.
0: It's predominantly Ethiopian Orthodox and then
1: Muslim. Exactly. Catholics, less than 1%. Right, right. right. And that's, that's the other thing, too. I mean, you know, it, it, we see it as a way to support the church in its kind of its poorest state. I mean, you know, the Pope Francis talks about the periphery, and I, I mean, if the apostolic vicariate of herar is not the periphery, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know what is. I mean, it, it, it's poor even in the sense it in the sense that it's a minority, um, in the sense that it's it's uh, economically poor. Yeah but also in the sense that it's like ecclesially poor. It's not even recognized, you know, so in all those ways, it's just like the, yeah. the poorest of the poor. Yeah. And
0: just even, I think we Google mapped a drive from Dira, what was the Temp- Dira Tower, we, we just yeah. flew out of, yeah. So like, we Google mapped Dira to Addis, I think it's like 210 miles, but it takes nine hours to drive <laughs> that, <laughs> so it's not easy to get around how many priests roughly, like there's the for instance there's a Capuchin community there, like here in the yeah. but do you know how many, like us uh, priests?
1: Yeah, we, we had almost all of them on our days of formation. We had them all except the two that are studying in Rome, and the one that had to stay at the cathedral, so so there, I think there were 18, if I'm not mistaken, there were 18 priests.
0: And then, been to just about all of their parishes, almost, and, and some of them are very uh, primitive, I guess you say, like no running water and, like, pieces of tin, like a tin shed. Yes.
1: Scene. It's incredible, honestly. I mean, you know, if you think... it's To me, it's extremely moving because you see the response of the Church in the sense that where the Catholics are, they do their best to establish some kind of outpost, some sort of church, and so you know the, the Catholics are far flung over this vicariate, over this this mass of you know swath of land, and that and they they have priests scattered, sprinkled you know throughout those locations. So on the tops of mountains, if there's a village, and on the sides sides of mountains and ravines, and and some of the conditions are you know they. They're the same conditions of the people. So yes, without electricity in some cases. Um, I one one parish we visited, they, the people walk an hour to get their water. Their water source is an hour away. I mean, imagine that on a daily basis. It's just incredible to see. And so the priests live, for the most part, uh, the same conditions that the people do. For the for the most part, I mean, they do. It is a step up. There's no question about it. I mean, their their economic status is a step up from the people. They have an income and they have they're respected, but but they are living in very remote places under very difficult circumstances, there's no question.
0: Yeah. As a country, about 120 million. Yeah. I mean, not as, not, am about the big city, um, but I think, you know, most of the population is farming. Yeah. Agricultural. Right. So. And, um, yeah, you had two missionary priests uh, from Spain there um, Father Paul was pretty young. Father hmm. Moan is about fifty, but I was impressed by their witness to to go and uh, make sacrifices because it's not an easy life. You
1: know? Yeah, so, yeah, no, I find them very imp- inspiring as well because, especially because they come from a Western culture, yeah. and so they're sac- they know what they're sacrificing right. was, they, you know, what they're accustomed to. So it's yeah. pretty remarkable, pretty inspiring, and also to learn the language. I mean, yeah. that's just. You know, Homeric and Roman, these are difficult languages to learn yeah. and even in the case of father Paul where he is not it, most people don't even speak Homeric it's, it, there's a local dialect that he's having to learn and to be able to really communicate with the people that yeah. so it's 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 a heroic effort to be yeah. able to serve
0: yeah you know, one thing they have a lot of uh, beautiful marble granite stone tiles wow. oh, we went to one of these country churches every day day I was impressed. The sanctuary actually had marble in it, mm. which is more than most of the churches back home. You know? mm-hmm. And uh, it's amazing, they got all those materials in there to build a church. And, um, but that, that first trip you went, it was mostly like seeing the country, but you also did like youth 2000s.
1: Well, what we did, the fr- the very first trip was really just seeing, so okay. it was the bishop himself drove myself and another sister uh, and we visited virtually every parish on that trip we didn't do any ministry but we were meeting people meeting the priests getting just a feel for everything It was just overwhelming the second trip which was the same year so it was January 2018 and then I went back in August for a month and we did eight Eucharistic retreats in different parishes but we did a huge youth 2000 style or bread of life style retreat in the middle of the time so that we had probably six or 700 young people for, for that retreat. And they, they gathered from all over the vicariate. some of them walking, you know, for a day or two to arrive at it. And it was an amazing experience. It wanted to, to, to pray with them and we would alternate doing the music. So we would do some of our music, which would be kind of standard American praise and worship music. And they would do their music and we'd go back and forth and we'd give the talks and we would have to be translated into two languages. So We had to keep them very short, very concise. But it was a great way to um, just just be with them, you know, just to be with them and pray with them. And um, Eucharistic adoration, while it's known, it it, it's known had been known mainly in the sense of like for benediction or for um, like a small procession or something. But the idea of prolonged, silent adoration seems to be less familiar. Um, So that's I think part of what we were bringing was that spirituality of a more contemplative prayer and the personal love of Jesus present in the Blessed Sacraments. That's why we did Eucharistic retreats everywhere, to bring that specific message. Also because you know, that's something that, that, where we differ from the Orthodox, although our faiths are very, very, you know, obviously we come to, as Pope John Paul II said, it's the church breathing with both lungs. I mean, we're, but they, they wouldn't have the tradition of adoration uh, in the Orthodox Church, and we're trying to, Emphasize for the Catholics there the things that are uniquely their own part of their unique heritage and identity. It was super well received. I mean, and it was was neat to do. And that was one of our trips. Then following that, one was to bring monstrances over so that they could continue that kind of worship and and devotion. We brought ten. We brought um, ten monstrances over. It, that in my luggage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was amazing. We got it through customs. I didn't have to pay a penny, on, wow. so I, which I didn't even consider it yeah. until after everyone started was asking, like, "How'd you get through customs?" Like, oh, I didn't even think that would be a problem. But you're right. I don't know. God, God made a way for us. The Blessed Mother paved a way for us. But yeah, we brought we brought um, monstrances, and that's what we do each year. We try to bring religious articles that maybe are needed and are very hard to get. Yeah. And and also this year, like especially with the formation books catechisms, we always bring rosaries, things that are harder to come by, you know, in East Africa.
0: You Personally, did you, like that, after that first kind of scouting trip, you just said, yeah, yeah this is it, or was there still questions,
1: or was That's there... a good question, Father Mark, that's a great question, because, you know, the first trip, I, what was clear to me after the first trip is that we couldn't open a convent there immediately, like that, that much was clear. And um, here we are, a very small community, and we're already spread re- relatively thin. I mean, we have a mission in England, as you know, and in Ireland with sisters in Rome. Uh, so we're, we're, we're spread pretty thin. And so I didn't think the Lord was asking that of us, you know, to open a mission halfway around the world. Also, uh, it would be a mission where we wouldn't even have our own brothers nearby, which typically, not always, not in every case, but so on many levels, it was like it seemed more than what God was asking of us. But... But, I said, that doesn't mean we have to say no to this bishop, but I mean, we can say yes in a different way. We can mission here, we can go back and forth and serve without opening a house. That's the most I felt I could offer. Yeah. And, um, and I always feel like if you can say yes and you don't sense the Holy Spirit telling you to say no, right. you know, the invitation itself could, is, could be coming from God, the invitation itself. And that's how I felt, especially because he was catmishing you know, this bishop was a Capuchin, and as you know, our origins are Capuchin. We were founded by Capuchins. And so I thought, you I have this Capuchin bishop who looks like he stepped out of a storybook. I mean, yeah. he looks like the Capuchins of old, the saints yeah. of old, and he's, he's working so hard for the formation of his people, and he wants but the renewal, our charism, how could I say no? Like, What would Father Benedict, Father Andrew roll over in their grave if I say no to this And It's like my uncle knocking on the door uh-huh. saying, will you come serve? I like, I have to yeah. say yes to this. So the discernment, I mean, each year it's a struggle. I mean, to gather a team of people that are willing to come halfway around the world and serve in a very isolated place. And you wonder like, what the heck kind of an impact is this really gonna have? It's not easy. But I do feel like if you can say yes, say yes. So that's why I keep, And and because it's honed in now for the priests, in this case, I think of it as the principle of spiritual multiplication, like we're a very small team that go in. Jesus picked a very small team of people, his 12 apostles, and they went out. So we go in and we minister to 15 or 16 priests, but we don't have to be translated. They understand English because their seminary formation is in English. So the impact is greater because of that. We don't have to be translated to two or three times. And then the hope is that when they're filled up with what they're receiving by the power of the Holy Spirit, and these times please God, then they can go back to their parishes and, and and let it overflow again to their catechists and their family. So that's principle of spiritual multiplication. So I feel like maybe God is using us in that way or could use us in that way, and I wanna be open, open to that.
0: Just like maybe, generally speaking, spiritually, you know, you try to do a good work, going to be maybe temptations not to do it? Is there some opposition or something to overcome? I mean you feel like you've grown in your faith doing this.
1: Oh my goodness it's it yes that's a great question Father Mark because if you just think about it in a rational way and kind of write out a pros and cons list of should I go halfway around the world and risk my life potentially to do a very, you know, the pros and cons list would not convince anyone to do this thing. And I always call it my Ethiopian free fall, which I do every year when I, I feel like spiritually speaking, like the Lord is asking of me, my yes, my fiat, will I say yes to this mission? Even when I don't have a team, when I've had no one has said yes yet, because I have to, of course, build, I need three priests to do it. And, and another sister to come with me at, at a minimum. Yeah. And so it, so in my own prayer, I, I, I just make my prayer my yes. You know, Lord, I say yes to this mission. I say yes to your church in Ethiopia. I say yes to you ultimately yeah. with no other yeses. And I always feel every year he evokes that for me for my own spiritual growth. Yeah. Like he wants to hear my fiat. Yeah. without any supports of anything else. Will yeah. I say yes to him? That's why I call my Ethiopian free fall. Like I jump off the cliff, there's no parachute, there's nobody else, there's no nothing. And then little by little, you know, friars and like yourself will say yes to yeah. the mission. But that time between my own yes and yeses of others, I think for me and my own relationship with the Lord is is a beautiful moment. Like it's a moment for us to say like, I trust you yeah. and I will say yes to you. And yeah. um, I can't wait to see how you're going to work out the rest of the details of this mission. <laughs>
0: yeah. And I yell you know, back home to the United States oftentimes. Like, if you give a retreat to a group of like Dust and priests, usually the guy is like a scholar, an academic, or has written books, you know. And that's kind of what I was thinking. It's like, you know, what do I have to bring? <laughs> to talk to the priest. And I remember you just kept. I remember probably like five times I gave him that. Are you sure about the you know. But you know, I was thinking. I mean, it's a very remote area, and it's not easy, you know, to, to go and do the mission. I don't think, but it, you know, I, mean, I guess the thing that came to me was said, well, like, you know, he's 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 like you said, he's looking for somebody to say yes, and, mm. uh, and it's like, well, you know, we're the other guys that said yes, so that's why we're here. It's, exactly. not, it's not that we the best or the, or the Dominican scholar. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: yeah,
0: it's been a lesson. Yeah, to me, I, I was telling you, I, I heard some. It was a wonderful story, and I can't remember the context of it, but the, the message to this one person was, Jesus had given him this word. He said, "I want you to start saying yes to me," because mm. he wanted him to do some kind of bigger work, and he started eating some. We some yeses from him on stuff, you know. And I, like, cause I don't know, Mother Jelka talked about this all the time. She's to, we would talk, we talk ourselves about things. So do, you
1: know, exactly. Reasons that, you know. Exactly. That that really came up big time. I mean, it, that comes up with every trip, of course, just because of the remoteness and the yeah. the just what goes into traveling that far and. and but during COVID, it, yeah. even more so, and I can't even if I counted the number of people who said to me. What? like you really think you're going to go to Ethiopia in the middle of like a yeah, COVID yes. but it was like you know what well, the, my approach is go forward uh, take the step and let let the world cancel it and let somebody yeah, else can yeah. and if God doesn't want it, yeah. it, it we saw that things can be canceled you know right. and I thought you know let it, and, and I think it's a great way to live just and, and Mother Angelica like I, I really admire her yeah. and I think she's like the total icon of this way of living and I, I I admire that, I wanna live that way, where it's like, you just put one foot in front of the other. And I mean, if it evaporates in front of you, if the plan, the project, the event, evaporates in front of you, we'll let it evaporate, but it won't yeah. be evaporating, because I said no, right. or I wouldn't take the step, or I wouldn't take the risk, or I wouldn't you know, take the free yeah. fall. Like, let, let it evaporate on its own. And I said, that's the way I wanna live. And we were able to go right in the middle of COVID, nobody got sick, nobody got detained, yeah. nobody got, and it just shows that, you know, God's providence is a real thing. Yeah,
0: you know, I was talking to Father McCall, Michael, and and um, you know, I was asking him about uh, the Ethiopian Catholic Church, Catholics, and that. Uh, and you know, he told me he said there's a lot of references to God, like in their language and how they speak. And yeah, you know, some people are just. You know, they don't have a storehouse of food. I mean, there's just like that day they're getting food enough to eat. So they have this radical dependence on God. And it's reflected in His name coming up. You know, like if God permits mm-hmm. us, if God allows us, you know, it's in there a lot. But I, you know, we went to this remote, what was the name of the parish we went to?
1: It was oh, eight, uh, in Chelenko Ch- St. Peter yeah. and Paul's, yeah, Abogino's parish. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, you know, I don't, I don't speak the language and I just had
0: like this little interaction with some of the, uh, the women just trying to just, they were just telling me their name and you know I was just struck by uh, you know how much water they have just to be clean you know just to wash themselves and everything. It's just like you know just things we take so much for granted. and but you know, but they, they were happy and joyful in a very real sense, you know, we're smiling and kind of, you know, they would say something, and uh, and that was, you know, I thought that's like such a, a powerful gift to the church, I think, in this community, is like, they're living in radical poverty that trusts God, and they're happy, I mean, they I mean, they have obviously incredible, terrible struggles, I'm sure, but they're at mass and happy. Mm.
1: You know, you go yeah. to a lot of churches and people are yeah, that yeah. across the world. But, uh, it's a great point. It's a yeah. great point. And it was so great to hear you preaching up there and, and, and to say that to them, So your joy yeah. witnesses to me and, and the applause, and when they burst yeah. into applause at that point, yeah. and I thought that's that's it. You're right. I mean, the joy was overflowing yeah. and it, it's, it's really awesome to see. It's. Yeah, the people are close close to God in their own own way. They really are. It's a religious culture. You know, yeah. that's the thing. It's a very yeah. religious culture.
0: What is some of the like the fruit that you
1: feel like is coming from for the priest because you've you've done
0: over five years of missions with the priest?
1: Well, you know, little by little as we form relationships and um, and come back year after year and offer some basic classes and it's really the time with them it's the three things we do are you know we have the morning as you know you know the morning of classes the afternoon of adoration and the opportunity for that one-on-one spiritual direction and so you know they're really it's like a retreat with formation time all in one and one one thing I see is even just their own um, they're entering into the spirituality like one thing we're trying to do is get across the the idea that if we are transformed, if we become saints, each of us, if I become a saint in my vocation and each of these priests become saints in their vocation, everything flows from that. You know, everything flows from holiness, everything flows from transformation. That it's not just an idea out of a book. Like we have the lives of the saints to show us that, that if I will let myself be transformed, fruit will come and I see their desire. For transformation has increased, like their desire to be in adoration, their desire to meet with their shepherds, as we call them, their spiritual directors, you priests who serve on the on the mission, um, to enter into the classes, to take it home. Like I sense an increased desire for that, for transformation, for holiness. Um, the other thing is identity. We've really honed in on priestly identity and and Catholic identity as opposed to you know national identity. You know and that's that's i think a big thing and not just in ethiopia other places too where we can identify more with our my americanism right. versus right. my catholicism right. and i'm a disciple of jesus christ before anything else and so we've been hammering that home and i see i see i think i see yeah. you know glimmers of a shift right. i mean who knows you know you, you have there's a lot of faith involved in all this too yeah. i think i'm scattering seed out there and yeah. i mean, I hope something's growing but yeah. how can you know in two weeks right. but i i think i see glimmers even in their desire Try to emphasize, um, and this is a, a great desire of the bishop that the priests, you know, the priests are priests, and they're, they're they're their own identity. They're Roman Catholic priests, not they're not Orthodox priests. They're not so they don't they don't look like the Orthodox priests. They don't look like the Muslim leaders. They look like who they are, and so they, I see them wearing clerics more. And we brought them stoles, use stoles more, use appropriate vestments more. I mean, there's always that balance. That You're in the poorest place possible. They don't have everything they need, so. You, there's room for that. It's not about meeting the the letter of the law. It's not about that at all. It's about identity and the desire to reflect your own own identity, right. and not a need to just mimic the the others around that they can be be content and proud of, of their own faith right. in, a, in a place where they're the total minority and an extreme minority.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I thought your comments on prayer were very really powerful. And uh, really. To me, you to know, how vitally important that is obviously, but just in terms of helping any group of people to renew, you know, to get the prayer right. all, I mean, I mean, I, I'm just thinking of things I need to do better, and sharpen up, and uh, we all need to be probably evangelized to some degree on that and learn more and more. But I, I just saw those conferences. It's just kind of like the bedrock. The whole thing, you know, like you get, you get the spiritual thing besides got to be solid. You can talk about human formation, academic formation, national formation, or something, but that, that spiritual thing is what drives mm-hmm. right, the whole thing. So I, I thought that was very you know, good. I mean, that piece is moving. Mm-hmm. This like, other you know, stuff's going to Yeah. Thank,
1: thank you. Yeah, I love that too, and and the chance to do that, and it's a chance yeah to, to to emphasize that to provide something and, and it's because i that's what trans is transforming me I, I mean that's what's tr- I'm in the process of transformation like we all are and and I, I just know that's where it is that's where it is
0: yeah. Have you met some people other missionaries there over the years I don't know, groups of sisters or something that that touched you or witnessed to you
1: um I, well i I'm really moved. I'm moved by the priests themselves, honestly. I have met different religious communities there, different Ethiopian sisters groups, and, and it, is, it is always, I'm, I'm really moved by the MCs. I mean, the Missionaries of Charity are there. They have, I think, 11 houses in all over Ethiopia. Yeah. The work they do there is, like it is everywhere in the world, so inspiring. I mean, it's one thing to go in and live there for two weeks or three weeks. We were there for three weeks. Uh, but, to, but to live there for three years, or five years, or ten years, I mean, like, so I'm super inspired by them. But the priests themselves, I mean, you know, they, they, you know, to see their, to like, like visiting Abogino, you know, just on Enchilenko, and as we left him there after our weeks of formation, and then we go to his parish, we celebrate the Mass with him, and have a meal with him, and then, it, you know, his desire is to be a good priest for his people, and, and just to see that shining through him. and. You know where we go back to our electricity and our yeah. you know running water and and all the health care we could ever want, and 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 he remains there in a very remote, difficult circumstance. So I, I'm really edified by the priests themselves, yeah. Yeah, yeah it was great. Yeah, yeah, Father Gino was there, Abba Gino.
0: I was he struck me too like his, his pastoral fatherly presence working just directly. People directing the liturgy and interfacing between the bishop and the people, and all that—it was powerful. You, know, mm. you could see—he you know, had, he had this fatherly role, and the people respected it. Yeah, they respected him. I felt that from the other priests too. They, they had, um, I don't know, the right words, respectful, but you know, they—they just—they um, gave us a lot of. Credence, you know, to yeah. say things, talk to them, and uh, and the yeah, you know, obviously dismissive or anything. So I, yeah, I was at a five-minute. Because sometimes you could roll in there. And it's like, hey, I'm from the West, you know, or whatever. And, uh, yeah. But uh, they, yeah, I had a sense too that they were hungry. Mm. And they really, they wanted to make the most out of this time but they get you know, so. yeah. all right was there any other points uh, yeah.
1: you left out? it was a blessing thank you for saying yes thanks for coming experiencing yeah. it and contributing and it was a great time
0: it was yeah an organization and just drive determination is making that thing work and, <laughs> and uh yeah that's give it yourself and take the risk you know and do it so
1: thank you so much uh, for the okay thanks father mark